You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. It's a great time of year, isn't it? Let's just uh, pray as we get into the word. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, uh, Lord, just for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is alive in us. Your word transforms us. God, this morning as we come before you and we prepare our hearts, Lord, we also ask you for your peace to cover First Baptist. And Lord, that church, Father, that was tragically and demonically ravished, God. We know, Father, that it's only by your peace, by your mighty hand, by your touch, Lord, that you can restore, that you can heal the hearts of the broken there. But Father, we also know that it is your church eternal, God, and nothing that the enemy has ever planned or ever conspired or ever done against your church has ever prospered, God. So, Father, I'm asking you to do something supernaturally in their behalf is to raise that church up as a beacon in that city at the right time, God. Father, to do what only you can do. Lord, to enact your justice in your kindness and in your grace, Father God, to turn that church into a church that only they could ever dreamt it could have been, Father. Lord, we thank you, Father. Touch their hearts, heal their hearts, guard their hearts with your peace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, this morning we're continuing in a series of talks that we started last week called Home. And last week we talked about how God makes a home for us. And then this week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about making a home for the Word of God. Making a home for the Word of God. Now, I know that sounds a little kind of funny to you. Maybe um, what does it mean to make a home for the Word of God? But Here is the thing about the Word of God, is that the Word of God, what the Scripture tells us, is powerful, it's active. We're going to read a Scripture that actually says this. It's like a double-edged sword. And its job is to guide us, to lead us into the truth. Why? Because the Word is truth. As a matter of fact, any time you look in the New Testament and it references the Word, it's the Greek word logos, which is this, which is the Word alive, the written Word that is alive. So we understand this about the Bible as we read it, the truth of the Word of God as we read it, that it's not just words on a page, are they? No, absolutely not. But they're filled with the truth of Jesus Christ. He is the Word made flesh. And so as we learn to make a home for the Word of God, what it does is it does something inside of us. It begins to transform us. So this morning, we're going to look at three really easy steps, and this isn't a complicated message, but I promise you this, that if you begin to take this and say, God, give me everything that there is in this message, that it has the ability to begin to establish something in you that will truly shift and change your life. So we're going to look at three simple steps, and the promises that God says are attached to these things, and then finally, how we put it all together and how we apply it to our life. Last week, I told you a story of how we used to travel. My parents were from Michigan, and uh, we would go up in the back of my dad's uh, pickup truck. He had a camper on the back side of it, and we'd go in this diesel truck. I would inhale diesel fumes all the way from Washington, D.C. to Michigan, and, but it was the best time because we were going to Grandma's house, and Grandma knew how to love us well with food, and she did. She fed us well. There's another memory I have about the holiday season is this, around Thanksgiving, where we lived was in on, off of a military base that some of you might be familiar with. It's called Fort Meade, Maryland. Now, if you've ever heard of Fort Meade, Maryland, it's probably for this reason, because that is where NSA is. 
If Big Brother is listening, they're probably picking up on this. National Security Agency. And my dad was stationed there on that military base. And as I grew up, I always grew up right around there, right around Fort Meade, Maryland. And in our church, it was a good-sized church. And in our church, we would have all of these young military recruits that would come to our church, and they would be far from home. They, didn't, they couldn't afford to go back home. They couldn't get off of active duty to go visit their family during Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so inevitably, what we would do in my house is my mom and dad would open up our house for these guys to come in, many of which were my youth leaders when I was in high school and middle school. And I, I never forgot how, how meaningful it was to us and to them as they would come into our house and we would always have friends over and some family over, but we, our, our house was filled up with these people as they'd come in and they would just, we would eat all day and then we would watch football. We'd always watch, well, you know, the Cowboys, I guess. And so we would watch the Cowboys play and then we would go outside and we would play football. The weather was right. Everything was right. The pumpkin pie was right. It was just all right. You know what I'm saying? You ever been in that time where it's just everything's coming together? And in that moment, and I hope I can bring you to this place, in that moment, it didn't matter where everybody was coming from, but because they were in our house, they were family. They were family. But I realized something that There is an invitation that God puts out to us through his word. In the same way that there is an invitation given to these people that were looking for a place to call home during the holidays. But in order for that invitation to have any kind of meaning, something has to happen. Somebody has to receive the invitation. Somebody has to believe that that invitation is legit and for them. That it's meaningful to them. And then finally, they've got to accept the offer and follow through on the invitation in order for that to take hold in their life. Well, the Word of God is exactly the same way for us. And what it means to make a home for the Word of God is this. Is that we have to receive the Word. We have to believe the Word of God to be true. And then finally, we have to do the Word of God. If we're going to make home, a place in our hearts that we say is home for the Word of God, then we have to believe the Word, we have to receive the Word, and we have to do the Word. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, just very simply. The first thing about receiving, receiving the Word, and here's what this means, very simply, is this, is that we begin, become a people that receive the power of the Word of God with fullness and expectation, That we become a people that receive the Word of God and the power attached to the Word of God with expectation. I want to read a passage to you in Mark 4, 13-20. Jesus talks about this. There is a difference on how we receive. Anybody who has kids at Christmas time, you understand this principle, right? Because if you're like my family, we do stockings first. Does anybody here do stockings before you do the main gifts? Anybody? Right? And so my kids understand 
that the stockings are just like a step to get to the real deal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because sometimes we'll do things like put fruit in the stocking <laughs> just to mess with their heads. You know, just be like, yeah, we'll wrap up an orange and stick it in there just so they can do it. Why? Just to have fun, to be real honest with you. We're not cruel people, but we do that to have fun. But I understand the difference in receiving because sometimes our hearts are not met with expectations. Sometimes we kind of just go, oh, 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 thank you. Just thank, thanks. But our hearts aren't prepared with a full sense of expectation. And what God invites us to and what we're going to read in just a second is a difference in the, in the attitude of our heart when we come with expectation to the word of God. And so when we come with full expectation to the word of God, then we get into a place where we are truly receiving the word. Mark 4, 13 through 20 says this. Jesus just got done giving the disciples and the hearers that were around him that day a parable. And now he's explaining it. And he says, then Jesus said to him, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let me ask you a question. What's the difference as Jesus gives this parable And if you know the parable, and the parable is simple, a sower goes out and sows seed. Some fell on stony ground, a pathway. Some came on rocky soil, thorny ground, and then finally good soil. What's the difference in these different places with Jesus, what Jesus is talking about? And to me, the difference is this, is it comes down to an attitude of our heart when it comes to the word of God. Because Jesus is talking about the word. And with the word, there is an opportunity, a challenge, if it would be. But if we are going to make a home in our heart for the word of God, we have got to come to a place where we understand, no matter how challenging the word of God is, no matter what kind of contrast it gives us in light of where we might currently be, because what the word of God is going to do is this. It's not going to measure you based upon your experiences that you are walking through right now. It's not going to measure you based upon the struggles of your life. It's not going to measure you based upon the failures of your yesterday. What it's going to do, it's going to call you into a future and a hope. And that oftentimes is challenging. And the difference between us receiving the word and not receiving the word, meaning the difference between us allowing some of the cares of this world to choke out uh, the, uh, the word out of us or for the enemy to come and plant a deceitful lie in our thinking that totally wipes that out is how we receive it. And the scripture here uses a word. It says that they received it joyfully or with gladness. 
And here's what we understand about this. Is that the word of God comes, and when it comes, it is pleasing to God. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us. That when faith comes, it comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But it goes on to say this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we come to the Word, and part of being able to receive the Word with gladness is understanding the joy that it brings the heart of the Father as we choose to step out and trust Him. God understands that when He sends His Word, and His Word is implanted in you, in your heart, and when you decide to receive it, that there could be that difference in your life between what He's asking you to do, what He's calling you to, what He declares about you, and what you think about yourself in that moment. But part of putting gladness in our heart concerning the Word is understanding that every time we choose, we choose to obey the Word, when we choose to receive the Word, that it brings pleasure to the heart of the Father. That it's something that is bringing pleasure and joy to his heart. And the reason why is because it begins to grow us. And the second that we take and understand that, as we take a step of faith, as we receive the word, as we allow it to be implanted in our heart, we begin to bear the fruit and the benefit, the promise of what God has given us. But in order for that to happen, we have to make room for the Word. We have to make room for the Word of God. And all that means is this, is that we've got to take time to spend time in the Word of God. We've got to prepare our hearts as we get into the Word of God to be able to receive the Word of God with gladness and with joy. Sometimes we have to push out some of the thinking that may be in our mind at the time to be able to receive the word with joy and with gladness. Whether it's separating yourself, maybe the best time for you to have that time may be in the bathroom. I don't know. There was a time in our lives where our kids were little and they were running all around. To be really honest with you, not a lot of that has changed. They seem to all be running around still to this day. But we have to separate ourselves and get into a place where we can receive the word. And here is a simple reason why. is because there is a difference. And so many of us on this journey with the Lord, we desire to do what the word of God says. And we might even have a discipline of getting into the word on a daily basis. But if we are not receiving the word with joy and gladness and understanding the pleasure of the heart of the Father as we get into the word and tasting and seeing that it is good, then it's not going to sink down and bear fruit in our life. And I hope you can see the difference. Because there is a place of expectation that God calls us into when it comes to receiving His Word. And we have to set our hearts filled with expectation. When we come to the Word, we have to set our hearts with expectation. Do you believe the Word of God is true? Do you believe that it is powerful? Do you believe that it is Jesus Christ, that it is alive? Do you believe that? Because if we believe that, our hearts would be set 
on expectation, what would happen is that we would eradicate the false truth that maybe leads our life a little bit and replace it with the higher truth that is Jesus Christ. We would believe his word when, we, when he says that he is who he is and he will do what he says he will do and it will become powerful and our expectation will be set there. But can I tell you something this morning? We don't get to that place. And Jesus understands this. And this is why he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. Is that he understands that in order for us to believe. Yes, it requires a step of faith. But he always hands out more grace for us to take that step. He always invites us to taste and to see that it's good. Do you know... The first time I ate a Snickers, do you know when that was? Good, because I don't either. It was a long time ago. And I don't know whatever possessed me to put a Snickers bar in my mouth. But I can tell you one thing. I don't stop putting Snickers bars in my mouth to this day. As a matter of fact, all that candy y'all brought, there's a bag of it that's 10 pounds on my, on my desk. And I weed through past all the other things, past the Starburst, because I don't like putting Starburst in my mouth, right? I like putting Snickers in my mouth. And I have got a pile, a mountain of Snickers wrappers on my desk. Thank you all very much. All right? So understand this. Listen, I don't remember the first day I put a Snickers bar in my mouth, but I know Snickers are good. I know they're good. I don't know if my mama shoved that thing in my mouth and said, shut up, boy, eat this. I don't know. I don't really care. But I tasted and I saw that Snickers were good. And God in his same way, in the same way, understands that there is a grace for us to take a step. And this is why I'm telling you this. And please hear this. I know I get excited about this, but please hear this. It's because God loves you and he understands to get you from where you are today to where he has called you. He is going to have to give out more grace than what is necessary to cause you to take that step. And he loves you and it's just a beautiful invitation. But here's the difference. Set your heart on expectation and receive it with gladness. Why? Because it is good, it is powerful, and you can trust it. The next thing that happens is that we believe. We believe. I mentioned this passage earlier in Hebrews 4.12. It says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is true. I've said that already, but it's true because God is going to do exactly what he says he will do because he is true. And this is how God brings us into a place of belief and how we create a home in our hearts for the word of God and how we believe. What the word of God does is this, is it acts what the scripture says is a double-edged sword. And in this place, it does something is that it begins to divide between the two areas of our understanding in which we're led spiritually. The two areas of our soul and our spirit. And when that happens, this is what's happening. This is what's taking place. 
Because God understands, again, He understands that oftentimes there's a breakdown between our soul and our spirit. And so we see this. And in our lives, in our lives, sometimes we get into a place where we're led by our soulish thinking. And our soul is responsible for the thoughts and the attitudes of our mind, our perception, our emotions, all these things. Our soul is guided by these things. Our spirit is the seat in which God speaks to us, in which God communes with us. God never intended for our soul and our spirit to be out of alignment. But sometimes they get that way. And when we come to the Word of God, this is what happens, is that God begins to do what only He can do through His Word. As He begins to separate those things between our soul and our spirit. And He begins to deal with the things in our soul that maybe need to be corrected or challenged or changed or transformed. He deals with those things. In His grace, in His goodness, He corrects them. He corrects and deals with wrong thinking. He corrects and deals with our perceptions that are rooted in experiences that don't match the Word of God. He deals with those things. Now I want you to think for a minute. Because everybody here has had a conflict in this area at one point or another. Where there has been a challenge or a breakdown in something that they've thought. Maybe the way that they've thought, maybe the way you've thought has come because of something you've experienced. Maybe it's come to you because of a hurt or a pain. Maybe it's come to you because of the way you've grown up and what you've always heard. And in that moment, in that place, there's a confrontation when you come to the Word of God between what you've always thought in the seat of your mind, in the soul, in your soul, and then the truth of what the Holy Spirit is saying. And what the Word of God is able to do, and why we must believe it as truth, is because when we make a, a home in our hearts for the Word of God, and we believe the Word of God to be true, is that it opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to separate those things so that we can begin to see those things the way God sees those things. Because God in His loving kindness and His grace and His mercy will begin to separate the thoughts and the intents of our soul, of our mind, of our emotions, and, and put those in a place and begin to heal those and begin to discern those, begin to separate those, begin to attach truth to those so that we begin to line up with the truth of the Word of God that is seated in our spirit. It's not that God is against the soul, the emotions, the minds. Not at all. God actually created those things. But they must be in harmony, lined up with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit. And the way God does that is through the Word of God. Well, how do you know that? Because there have been times in my life, not your life, but in my life, where I have been confronted with an attitude of my heart, my soul. There have been times in my life that I've been angry. There have times in my life that I have wanted to be unforgiving, that I've wanted to be mean-natured, and I felt perfectly justified in that. I'm sure that there's a lot of people here that can agree with that. There's times in our life that we feel that in the seat of our soul. And what has happened to me is this, is that inevitably God will bring me to the Word 
He'll bring me to a place in the Word because He loves me, because He leads me, because He knows me, because He's putting my future in front of me. And He'll say, Andy, I want you to hear this, and I want you to believe this. I want you to believe this. At that moment, there is a conflict that I have to decide. At that moment, there is a place in the decision that I have to make in my heart. Am I going to believe the Word of God to be truth, or am I going to believe my emotions to be truth? And what God always does is this. As He says, Andy, I will show you in my Word what I say to be true. And if you believe me, if you trust me, if you receive it as truth, I'm going to begin to heal that area of brokenness in your soul, in your heart. See, I don't know if that makes sense to you, and I hope it does. Because the only way that you're going to move past some of the, the things that maybe sit in the seat of your soul, of your emotions, of your perceptions, of the thoughts and the attitudes of your mind that are leading you the wrong direction is to come to the Word of God and to believe it is truth. There is an argument there that we see for the higher truth. And God invites us into this place. And the way that we make home for the word of God is this. Is when we get to that place, we yield. And we say, God, your word is able to divide, to set asunder, to completely separate this. So that I can understand your truth to be the highest truth. So that instead of being led by the seed of my soul and my emotions, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'm led by the word of God. Finally, do the word. Do the word. Justin, come on up, man. In James 2, 21 through 25. This is good, but this is a little hard. It says this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at the face of a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Understand that James is writing here to some believers that are struggling with walking out the Word of God. And he speaks pretty sharply to them. But here's what I want you to see concerning the importance of doing the Word. Because it's one thing to receive the Word. And I believe, in my opinion, that's where you start. And then we have to believe the Word of God as truth and allow it to change us where it needs to change us. But where we see and understand that the Word has a place in our hearts, a home in our hearts, is when we begin to do the Word. Because this is what James says. The Word of God can save you. Can save you. It can save you. The Word of God, again, is active. It is powerful. And as we allow the Word of God to work in us, and as we begin to receive and believe, the next step is that we have to do it. We have to do the Word of God. 
James goes on and says this, listen. When we look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what we've seen, not forgetting what we've heard, but doing it, then we will be blessed in what we do. And this is the key to doing the Word of God. It's not simply going about as a robot doing the things that we think we ought to do. But it's a relationship that God invites us into. And it looks a lot like home. As we hear the Word of God, as we receive and believe the Word of God, then we get the invitation to do the Word of God. We get the invitation to do the Word of God. But in order to do the Word of God, we have to look intently into the Word of God. And this word intently here is this. And this is why James says this. And it's a powerful word. It's a, it's a transformational word. Is that when we come to the Word of God, we're not reading it because we're checking off a checkbox in our daily Christian to-do lifestyle. But instead, we're coming to the Word of God, receiving it as truth, believing that it is truth for us, and then saying, God, how can I be transformed into the image of the Word? How can I be transformed into the image of the Word? And here's what I want to tell you this morning, is that if we allow the Holy Spirit to let us look into the Word of God intently, and we invite that into our times when we are in the Word of God, it's going to begin to transform us. Because we're going to begin to see what the Word of God says about us. It's going to begin to change the way we pray. It's going to begin to change the way we talk to people. It's going to begin to change the way we interact with people in relationships day to day. When we begin to say, God, it is your intent that I become the Word of God, the living Word of God, that I begin to do what the Word of God says I can do, that I begin to act like the Word of God says I can act, that I begin to love like the Word of God says I can love, that I begin to pray with boldness the way the Word of God says I can pray with boldness, that I begin to access your presence the way that the Word of God says. And this is what it means to intently look Listen, if you were given a will from a long-lost relative that was a billionaire that you never knew, and you looked at it, what would you be doing? Would you be glazing over it like, mm, all right, I'm good, I'll sign at the bottom? Absolutely not, would you? You would be reading every, every letter of that thing, and you probably have a lawyer come and look at it, wouldn't you? And God invites us into this beautiful thing where we look intently at the Word because somebody who is looking intently at the Word is saying, listen, I might have to change some things about who I am, but the grace of Jesus that is drawing me by His Word into His presence and into His image is going to help me to do that. And I'm ready to change. That I'm going to have to step out in some boldness because the Word of God is telling me to step out in boldness. But I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that. And God understands in His grace that this challenge is real and this challenge is beautiful and this challenge is transformational. And He understands in His grace that the way we're going to do that And I want to give grace to you this morning. 
Because yes, God is inviting you into a place of change. By the word. And as you make a home in your heart for the word, he's inviting you into that place. But I want to just give you grace and let you know this morning that it starts with the first step. Maybe this morning you need to take a step and say, God, I'm going to change the way I think about myself. I'm not what has happened to me. I'm not what people have said about me. But I'm what you declare over me. God, I'm going to change the way I think about my future. My future is not broken and doom-filled and gloom-filled. God, I'm going to choose the way I see that person. I've been angry at that person for a long time. And I'm ready to forgive them. I'm ready to look intently into your word and change into your image because that's what you're calling me to. And I'm going to do the word. I receive it and I believe it. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. God, I'm going to trust you in the area of raising my children. I feel out of control. I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Because I know that as I come and I make a place of home in my heart for your word. That you're going to lead me into the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's going to do what the Word of God says. And I want to attach this last thing as we come into communion this morning. This is the promise. That as we do this, as we receive, and as we believe, and as we do, that we become a blessing. And, be bl- and we become blessed in everything we do. See, the Word of God doesn't fail. The Word of God will not fail. It will create in you what it needs to to bring you into the hope of Jesus Christ. It will bring blessing in you. If God has told you to hold on, He has shown you in His Word concerning healing, then hold on. If God has told you to hold on and He has shown you in His Word that there's a day of peace in front of you, then hold on and do it. And do it. Why? Because you will be blessed. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? This morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to come and to receive communion. I'm going to invite the ushers up. Prepare the tables, please. going to have some ministry teams up here so if I can invite the ministry teams to come up and receive communion now because we want to pray with you this morning and as you come to the table this morning I want you to understand that it is the grace of Jesus Christ the word made flesh that brings us into the place of being able to make a home in our heart for the word of God And if you need that this morning, if you need to receive that this morning, that as you come to the table, believe that he is the word. Believe that he is the word. And this table right here shows us this one truth about the word made flesh is that he overcame. He overcame sin in your behalf. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you into that beautiful truth to understand that he is the one who loved you, who died for you who rose and broke the authority and the power of sin in your behalf. And all you have to do is believe 
to trust in Him, to receive Him as Lord, as Savior. This morning as you come and you receive communion, take a step of faith and say, God, I'm trusting You. I'm receiving You. I believe You. And I'm going to do what You've asked me to do. Amen. If we could turn the lights down, please. This morning, what a great morning to be in the presence of Jesus. Would you come to the table now and receive? If you need ministry at this time, come forward and let us minister to you. Let us love on you. If you need prayer for anything, this is the time to respond. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. We're going to sing two worship songs. And I want to invite you, even if you don't come up for ministry, come and just join in in worship. Let's just push into the presence of God.
Amen. Is he good? Amen. Amen. Give him praise. Thank you, ministry team. Thank you all so much. Thank you all. Oh, man. Praise the Lord. As we just wrap this up, have a seat. This morning is simple and it just comes down to this. As we receive, believe, and do God's word, maybe we need to start somewhere. Maybe we have a place today as we leave this place that we need to say, God, I'm going to make these commitments to you. And it's just really simple, very practical, but yet so spiritual in the sense of making this decision changes our life is commit to him first, commit to him first, make him the top priority of your heart. I didn't say day and I didn't say day on purpose because there's times in our day that change. They change oftentimes from day to day. Our schedules change. But when we make God the first priority of our heart, it, it looks a little different, doesn't it? And what it requires is for us in grace to surrender to Him, surrender that area of our heart. And maybe we need to start spending time in His presence, in the Word of God. Start there. Start there. And be a people that come intently into the Word. Become a believer. Be a believer. Not a Christian. Be a believer. There's a difference between a Christian and a believer today. I know it may be a bit of semantics. I understand that. But I want to tell you my difference is this. Is this. A believer is somebody who receives God's word and trusts it as absolute truth. And so we need to be a people that are believers. And that is a, maybe just a, a baby step day by day to say, God, I'm, I'm not just coming to your word, but I'm coming to your word as a believer. I'm going to believe that what you say is true. That it's what I am. I'm going to begin to speak what you say is truth about me. That's not idle things. That's not a magic formula. That's not just a chant. That's not what I'm saying. But we spend a lot of times, don't we, confessing things about our life that are untrue. Even if we don't say them out loud, we say them in our head, don't we? We say things that we hear about ourselves. We believe those things. And those things are where our soul is seated. And God's word will take and divide that. But part of being a believer means that we have to speak what is true about ourselves. I have been created with a future and a hope. That I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. It does not matter what, is, what I'm facing today. That doesn't mean that your tomorrow is going to be bright and sunny filled with roses. But it does promise you that there is a grace that will help you overcome in Jesus Christ. And as we begin to say those things that are true about us and we believe God's word is truth, it transforms us. The Holy Spirit will do the heavy lifting. You don't have to do it. You don't have to make it true. You don't have to make God's word true. God's word is truth. It is the defining of truth. And the Holy Spirit will do the heavy lifting. God knows where you are. He knows where He wants you to be, where He has created you to be. He will get you there if you believe the Word to be truth. But you have to be in the Word to believe the Word to be true. And then finally, if I can give you one more challenge, is to commit our lives to reflecting the Word of truth. Especially in the area of love is that if you could take one place to do the Word, 
Then ask the Holy Spirit to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ in the way you love other people. It may be a spouse. It may be a family member. It may be somebody at work. It may be somebody in the neighborhood. It may be by the way you interact on Facebook. But understand this. The entirety of 1 John was written under this theme, this powerful theme. And it goes like this very simply, very crudely even. It's this, that if you say you love God, you must love people the way that Jesus loved people. If you don't love people the way that you love, you say you love Jesus, then the truth isn't in you. Wow. Wow. And so if we can do something today, and, and that may be just saying, just in, in all grace, I, I forgive, I release that person. I'm, I'm going to love them the way that Jesus, His grace loved me and forgave me. I'm not going to speak ill of that person anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to love these people. I'm going to turn away wrath with kindness. I'm going to stop speaking words of wrath. Instead, I'm going to be transformed into the image of the Word of God, into Jesus Christ and love that way. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray you were encouraged and blessed today.